anybody thankful that the blood of Jesus has set them free, saved them, redeemed them, that you're not who you used to be? Come on, can we give them 10 seconds of praise all across this house? Come on, give them a big shout of praise if you're thankful for them in this place. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I never, I never want to get just used to the fact that what I used to be and who I used to be and before Jesus and just knowing what he did for me, knowing that that cross was so special, that cross was my cross, it was meant for me, but man, just so thankful that Jesus literally gave his life for us. Come on, let's never get tired of saying that. Let's never get tired of celebrating that. Let's never be a church that's quiet about that. Is there anybody thankful for the cross of Jesus? Is there anybody grateful that Jesus gave his all for us? Come on, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful. I love to open his word. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to sing to Jesus, worship Jesus. Now we're going to open his word. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, John chapter 5. I about said Luke, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Newer Testament. You turn over there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 5. I'll give you a second to get there. But, man, we're so glad that you're here. I'm going to welcome everybody that's watching online, listening on the podcast. We're so thankful that you're tuning in one way or the other. It is better in the room. I'm going to tell you if you're listening online or, uh, or watching online or, or on the podcast, come be in the room. Come on, help me out. It's better in the room. Come on, somebody, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm giving you a second to get there. John chapter 5, if you're there, say I'm there. If you need a second, say hold up. All right, I'll give you a second. We've got a few people saying hold up. Anybody have a good Thanksgiving? Everybody had a good Thanksgiving? Anybody eat too much? The tryptophan still is kicking in with our turkey. All right. I'm going to get you there. John chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, we've never actually t- talked about this uh, actual story in church here. And I'm excited to open this up. Maybe you've heard the story. Maybe you haven't. We're going to be in John chapter 5, verse 1. If you're ready for God's word, somebody say, I'm ready. Love it. Here we go. Let's jump in together. Verse 1 says this. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish Holy days, holidays like Thanksgiving. Come on, somebody, right? And uh, inside the city, the Bible says, near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches and crowds. Somebody say crowds. Crowds Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on the porches. But one of the men lying there, somebody say one. So in the middle of the crowd, Jesus still sees the one. I love that. That's what this series has been all about, for the one. In the middle of the crowd, Jesus sees the one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Come on, how many of y'all know that's a long time? Come on, now if, you're, if you're 38 years old, you're good. We're good. I'm 34, 38. Okay, but if you've been sick for 38 years, come on, say that's a long time. Somebody say that's a long time. That's a long time. Watch what it says. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time. That's a good line. We'll talk about it in a second. He asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, like, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water start bubbling up and someone else always gets there ahead of me. And then Jesus told him, more like shouted at him, said this, stand up. Come on, somebody yell, stand up. Stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. Exclamation point. I like that a lot right there. Watch what it says. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat, began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping bag. Come on, that's my my version of it, sleeping mat. All right. But watch what he says. The man who healed me told me, pick up my mat and walk. And I like that today. And we're going to talk around this idea of what's your excuse? 
What's your excuse? Come on, tap your neighbor. Say, what's your excuse? What's your excuse? What's your excuse? Go ahead, tap your other neighbor. Say, excuse me. Excuse me. Awesome. Let me pray for us. God, we love you. Jesus, we honor you. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Go ahead and high five your neighbor on the way to your seat. Tell him, man, you look good and sound good. Even after all that turkey you just ate this week. Go ahead. Let them know. Look good and sound good. Even after all that turkey. Well, I'm so glad that you're here. You could be anywhere. You could be anywhere uh, this weekend. And we got a lot of people traveling and stuff. So hopefully you're catching it online and on the podcast. But you're in the room today. I'm so proud of you. And if you're visiting with us today, man, we're so thankful for you. But I love this series that we've been in called For the One. And last week was actually Legacy Sunday. And so what we do is one time a year above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings that we do every single week. We just say, hey, we're going to come around this idea of advancing the mission and vision of our church. And uh, we do that once a year and just had that offering last Sunday. Actually, there's still some stuff trickling in. So I'm going to wait to share with you guys next Sunday. But you're going to want to be here for that because I'm just telling you, it's going to advance the mission and vision of this place. I can't wait to just share that with you. It's going to be a blast. You're going to want to be here next weekend. And I can't wait. It's about to be December, y'all. We're getting close to Christmas. Anybody excited out there? Anybody? Woo! Anybody not excited about it? Oh, woo. Yeah, see that, that, the appropriate response for that, I get it, I get it. But I, I'm so excited for what is coming up. I'm so excited for the vision of what God has given us for this place. And I'm so thankful for you and, the, and just the heart and the generosity that you have. Can't wait to shell, celebrate that with you next week. But I got a question. Anybody in the room today, how many of you have ever made an excuse out there to get out of work? Come on, wave at me if that's you. Come on, just be honest. You can, like if you're sitting next to your boss, don't feel like you got to raise your hand. But has anybody ever made an excuse to get out of work? Come on, somebody. Anybody there? Okay. How many of us in the room would say, you know what, I've actually made up an excuse of getting out of school? Come on, somebody. Anybody? Come on. Anybody? Okay, okay, okay. Got it. Uh, what about you made an excuse up out there about hanging out with somebody that you didn't really want to hang out with, but you just had to make up an excuse of why you couldn't hang out with them? Anybody in the room right now? Okay. Well, being honest, I think honesty is a good thing in church. I think we got to do that, right? Uh, anybody, this is a good one right here. Anybody ever been honest in, in, in or, or not honest, anybody ever made up an excuse because you were pulled over by a police officer and you had an excuse? Anybody out there? Come on, somebody. I'm raising my hand because just a few weeks ago this happened to me. I'm just going to let y'all know. Uh, Allie and I got a chance to get away for a few days, just me and her, uh, driving to Florida for a few days without our kids. First time, really, that honestly, we've been uh, away for more than like one or two nights. We were uh, away for four or five nights uh, from our kids, and we love our kids so much. But, man, we needed some mom and dad time. Come on, somebody. And so we're just driving. It was late in the afternoon when we headed out, so we were going to be getting there late in the night. Uh, but I was driving down the road, and uh, we had our GPS plugged into my truck, and I, I have my phone. Anybody ever – and I, I'm going to tell you up front, this is not okay to do, okay? I want to tell you that. I'm going I'm to go ahead and let you know your, your pastor has sinned, okay? And I, I, I was doing something I shouldn't have. I have my phone right here and my hand on the other side of the wheel. You may know what I'm talking about, like you're driving with your phone right there and that, and I've typed in our GPS. I'm trying to look at where it's going and all this kind of stuff. All of a sudden, I see a car come up next to us. And I'm not thinking anything of it until I see that it happens to be a Tennessee State Trooper. 
And this is nighttime. My phone is in my hand. My phone is on the wheel. All of a sudden, this guy gets in behind me, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Anybody else get real nervous when a police officer is behind him? I'm just going to tell you, I could be doing everything right. It don't matter if that police officer gets behind me. I am a bucket case. Come on, somebody. Like, I am. I'm a basket case. I'm a mess. I'm, I'm freaking out. I wear my seatbelt all the time. I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, my gosh, am I doing everything right? Allie, you got your seatbelt on? Okay, like, let's make sure everything's good. And, uh, again, lights come on, pulls me over. I'm thinking, oh, this is it. Man, dang it, I'm going to get a ticket. What happens is we're waiting for him to come to the driver's side window, and he doesn't come to the, that side because we're on a busy little section of the uh, interstate and comes over to the passenger side window, scares us to death, right? And uh, all of a sudden, he, you know, he's talking to us, asking us questions. And next thing I know, I'm going into excuse mode. Come on, somebody, right? Like, he's like, sir, did you know why I pulled you over? And I'm like, yes, sir. I was actually typing in my GPS, and I was actually, like, me and my wife are on a trip. Like, we don't have any of our four kids. And anybody, when you're anxious, you start talking to anybody. I'm telling them all, I'm telling our life story. I'm telling them, hey, I, you know, I'm just letting you know all this stuff. I got these excuses that I'm piling up. And he's like, sir, I, I, I hear you. I want you to know that that may be okay in Kentucky, but that's not legal in Tennessee. And I'm thinking, okay, all right then. I'm just going to shut up right now. Got it. He said, let me just go back and run your stuff. And he comes back, and he was super kind, super friendly. He just said, hey, do not do that again. Again, I'm sharing you my, the sins of my life today uh, on this platform to you. Uh, but he didn't, I, I luckily did not get a ticket that moment. Come on, that's a good day. Come on, somebody, right? But I want to let you know that how many of us always come up, we can come up with some excuses, right? We, in our everyday life, we can come up with excuses. Being pulled over by a police officer, happened to uh, not want to hang out with somebody or work or school or whatever it might be. I think a lot of us, if we were honest, there's excuses that come up. And I, I just want to drill in a little bit. We did a series at the first of this year called Excuse Me. What we found out is that there's a lot of excuses that we actually present, not only to our everyday life, but in when we're talking about our relationship with God. Like when we're talking about our relationship with God, there's all of these excuses that come up of why we can't do it, why we can't go there, why we can't do this, why we can't do that. And I think what is incredible about this story today is that we find a guy in the middle of an excuse. And I'll tell you about it, we'll talk about it really quick, but I'm going to need your help today. Is that okay with everybody? Need your help, need you to talk back a little bit, need you to clap a little bit when we give Jesus some praise in a second because I just want to have a moment because I think all of us can find ourselves in this guy today. We'll talk about what that looks like, but again, we have this story of this man that had been lame for 38 years, had been paralyzed for 38 years, and again, he's got excuses, we'll talk about it, but they were no match for Jesus. And so I want to kind of get us a little bit of context as we're talking today. The first verse, second verse that we read Verse number two says this, that inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. So I need you to understand, like these, this is happening, that there's this pool of Bethesda. And you may have like one thought in your mind of what this was like. Like you may think this is, oh, this is like the beach. And man, there's like a pool that's by the beach and everybody's hanging out. And, oh, it's a nice little area. But I want to share with you really quick that actually the pool of Bethesda, if you go to the translation, was known as the house of mercy. But if you would have gone there, you would have seen it as anything but the house of mercy. Really, I think you would have found it to be a house of misery. Because what you need to understand is around this pool of Bethesda, this wasn't just a place where you could lay out and get a suntan. Come on, somebody, right? Like, this was not that place. This was actually a place of misery. That all around the porches around this pool, there were sick, blind, lame paralyzed people. And if you go back to the original text and study it a little bit, what you'll find out 
is that not only is that taking place, but it is actually a lot more graphic than the Bible even puts that we read, that we read right there in, in English. It's a lot more graphic than that. You would, you would find that around the pool of Bethesda and on these porches, there was actually people that had like their eyes gouged out. Like there was people that there would be missing arms. There would be uh, people there that legs were, were rotting off. And so I want you just to take a second to think about it. Like it's really a house of misery. Just imagine for a second the smell. Now you might know when it gets hot, something's stinking. It's really stinking. Come on, somebody, right? And just imagine for a second what's going on right here. Imagine for a second when you walk up on the pool of Bethesda and you can smell it before you see it. Come on, somebody, right? Like it's, I mean, it's nasty. It's filthy. There, there's things that are going on. The, the, the sounds, not only do you, do you smell it, but you're seeing people that are hurting, that are broken, that have no hope. And think about just that. But, but also you're seeing with your eyes the different mutilations that have happened. Man, come on. This is a bad place to maybe find yourself, right? It's a tough spot to find yourself. And these people, why would they gather around this pool? They gathered around this pool because there was this superstition that an angel would come down and stir it up. Like the water, and if that water, as soon as it started jacuzzi tubbing it, right, they were supposed to jump into the water. And the first one that got in actually would be healed. That was the superstition back then. That's what they had heard. And what I want you to see is that there are crowds and crowds of people that are there. Look at what verse 3 says. There's crowds of sick people. Somebody say crowds. Crowds of sick people. Lots of sick people. Blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on the porches. Again, this is a graphic scene of what's going on. And the Bible says that one of the men, somebody say one. one. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Come on, tap your neighbor and say, that's a long time. Come on, someone tap your neighbor and say, you remember 38 years ago what you was doing? Go ahead, ask them that. Like, some of y'all are like, no, nah, I'm like 20. Okay, I get it, I get it, get it. But listen to me. I want to show you this. I want you to put yourself in this man's shoes, right? Think about it for just a second. That this man had been sitting, I don't know if that he was sitting, or the fact is that he was laying by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. So if we could just take a second, put yourself in this guy's situation, this guy's shoes, right? Okay, so he's either in this posture or kind of a posture like this for 38 years. This is what this dude sees. Right? 38 years. I'm 34. Four more years than I've been alive. This is the situation that this guy has been in. Everybody getting it? Everybody getting it? Okay, cool. Like, this is what he's seeing. This is what he's feeling. If he has to get anywhere. And here he is. 38 years. Every conversation that he has in his 38 years is all about being stuck where he's at. Every interaction that he has, he's either begging somebody for some money so he can actually have some food to eat, or it's an interaction of, hey, man, we're stuck in the same seat. We're in the same spot together. Everybody good? Can I get up now? Okay, cool. Awesome. I played football last night. I'm really sore. I should not have done that. Okay. I need to lay there for about 38 minutes. Come on, somebody. Not 38 years. But listen to me. 38 years this guy's found himself in that position. 38 years this man has been laying down. That he has been paralyzed. He's in a position where there is no hope. Every, again, conversation that he's having is about his issue. It's about what he's going through. Begging, hoping that somebody will have enough sympathy for him just so that he can eat. 
And I want you just to put yourself in that situation. And I got to thinking about you and I. And I got to thinking about church. And I got to think about our lives. And I got to thinking that guess what? And I want you to write this down. That we all have issues. Come on, tap your neighbor and say, you got some issues. Go ahead, let them know. Let them know. You got some issues. You got some issues. I, I want you to see that, that you have an issue. And, and if I can, can we be honest, open, and transparent today? Can we be honest, open, transparent today? Okay. I think in church, we, we think it is a, uh, the goal is to hide our issues. I think in church, our goal is to mask our issues. Because I think some of us, we think, oh, oh, yeah, I know some of you came into church today floating, right? Like you got it all together and like you had communion for breakfast. Come on, somebody, right? Like you acting like you got it all together. But I got to share something with you. Real Christians are not perfect. Like listen to me. In fact, if you are looking for a perfect church, let me just encourage you, this is not it. <laughs> you know why? Because we all got issues. And then you're thinking, okay, okay, well, I'm going to go find a church that might be perfect. Please don't go to that church if it's perfect because the moment you show up, guess what? It's no longer perfect. You know why? Because we all got issues, right? We all have issues. And this is what I want to spend some time on today talking to you about is that some of our issues are seen, right? I think some of us walk in this place and it may be a visual issue that we're dealing with, that we're struggling with, that you may see from the outside, some of us might walk in this room and it's an issue that, guess what, nobody else knows about, that it's unseen, that you haven't talked about, that it's something that you haven't even shared with anybody, it's an unseen issue. Some, somebody in this room or watching online is carrying an issue of a generational curse that's been on your family and in your family for year after year after year after year, that's an issue that you're dealing with. Some issues that were brought into this room today, we've caused ourselves. Right? There's some issues that we've caused that we're carrying. Some of us have trauma, drama, daddy, or mama issues. Come on, somebody, right? Like one of those. Like I think if we would all just be very honest today, like we all have issues, right? But what happens when your issue becomes your identity like this guy? Like what happens when everything that you've been dealing with actually becomes who you feel like you are? I, I'm, I'm hopeless. I've got nothing. There's nothing. I, this is all that I know. This is all that I've ever been. This has been in my family for years. This has been something I've struggled with for 38 years. He was known by his issue a lot like the blind man that we talked about last week was known as the blind beggar. He was known by his issue. And I just got this soapbox I want to share with you today that I think church should be the safest place on the planet for people to show up with their issues. You know why? Because we all got them. We all got issues. And we'll say it a lot. It's okay to not be okay. Like you do not have to have it all together, buttoned up, perfect, coming in here, eating communion for breakfast kind of Sunday. Like it is okay to not be okay. But I want to share with you just like this story of an interaction that this guy has with Jesus. Jesus has more for you. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. And God has more for you. God wants to use you. God has an incredible plan for you. And I love the Bible so much because it puts us all in the same playing field because the Bible is very clear and does an incredible job of displaying the fact that people have issues all throughout the Bible. Like you name somebody in the Bible that's a hero for you. You may be named after them. You may know their story frontwards and backwards. And I just have to tell you, the Bible does a great job letting you and I know and understand that no one is perfect and that everybody has issues. Come on, everybody say everybody. 
Everybody's got issues. That's the only kind of people that Jesus Christ uses to make a difference for him are imperfect people. I want you to see that. God uses people who have issues. And the reason why that is, you want to know, is because God does a really good job of making sure that no one else gets the credit, honor, and glory by an issue being reversed, by a healing taking place other than the person of Jesus Christ. That I need you to know that, that yes, your issue, I want you to see, is a big deal that we all have them, but it's no match for King Jesus. It's no match for Jesus. And one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. How many years? 38 years. He's waiting. And when Jesus saw him, I love this so much, and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him. I love that line so much. I love that part of the story. I love that the Bible puts this intricate detail in there that when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time. There's good news for you today. That even in your issue, even when you aren't looking for a miracle, listen to me, the miracle's looking for you. I think you need to hear that today. And typically what you would find around the pool of Bethesda, there was about 300 people. But at this time, during this festival, this holy day that was going on, some scholars believe there was 10 times as many people there. So you're talking about thousands of people there. Thousands of people sick and, and hurting and broken. And here's Jesus, watch this, stepping through the crowds, stepping over people because he had one on his mind. Going to the one, going to the one, going to the man that he knew had been sick for such a long time. And Jesus, you know what he could have done? And I don't understand why he didn't, but he could have been like Oprah giving away cards. He could have been like healing for you, healing for you. Everybody getting a car. Everybody getting healed today. He didn't do that. But he went to this one man. He had his mindset on the one. And listen to me. I'm grateful for a God that even in the middle of a crowd, that he had a specific one in mind. The man at the pool didn't even know that he was on the schedule of the creator of the universe, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Is there anybody thankful that we serve a God that even when we're far off, even when we're thrown in the towel, even in all of our efforts and excuses, he still comes looking for you? That's good news today because we all got issues that we're dealing with. And he's coming, looking, and I want, again, think about it for a second. Pool of Bethesda, hundreds, probably thousands of people lying around, issues everywhere. Jesus making his way through the crowd, stepping over people to go to the one. And Jesus asked this man a question, and he says this, would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? And I think about this. To me, that question, the answer to that question is, duh, Jesus, yeah. Of course he does. Of course I do, Jesus. But I love that Jesus asks the question. Because I think there's a motive behind why he asks the question. Did you know that in the Bible, in the Gospels, the first four books of the Newer Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus asks 307 questions. He asks 307 questions. He is asked 183 questions in the Gospels. But guess what? He only answers three directly. He answers three questions directly. Jesus asks a question. I think asking a question has a motive for Jesus. You think about all the interactions that Jesus had the very first time we ever hear Jesus speak. Y'all remember that Jesus' mom and dad lost Jesus at church? Come on, mom and dad, you're doing better than you think. You didn't lose Jesus at church. Come on, somebody, right? How do you explain that to God? Uh, God, I, uh, 
There wasn't Life 360 back then. Come on, somebody. Didn't know where he was. I lost him. I don't know where he is. I don't know where Jesus is at. Can you imagine that conversation with the Lord, right? But they finally find Jesus, and where's he at? He's at the temple. And Jesus asked the very first time we ever hear him uh, speak in Scripture, we hear him ask the question of the fact that he says, hey, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? Didn't you know that I would be here? Didn't, didn't think about, oh, okay, after the cross and after the grave, and he gets up out of the grave, and these guys are walking in between, they call the road of Emmaus, and they're walking, all of a sudden Jesus comes up alongside of them, and he starts asking them a question. They're talking about all the things that's taken place over the last couple of days. Can you believe it? Like, did you know that I can't be believed? They killed Jesus. Can they do this? And here comes Jesus walking right beside them, and guess what? He asked a question, and he said, hey, hey, what are y'all talking about? That's what he said, what are y'all talking about? Like, who, who are you talking about right there? Like, what are you talking about? Of course, they're talking about Jesus the whole time. It's a fun part of that. Like, you notice every part of Jesus' ministry and his message, he's asking a question. Where, who do people say that I am? How much bread do you have? Hey, where is your husband at? Where is your faith? There's questions. They were a central theme to Jesus' life and teaching. And I want to take just kind of a sidebar for a second. We at Purpose Church believe that Jesus is God. Right, and God is omniscient, meaning he knows everything. So if Jesus is God, God is omniscient, that means Jesus is omniscient, which is a big word of saying Jesus knows everything, right? Omniscient means he knows everything. So my thing is this, I want to challenge us today. So Jesus is asking a question not because he doesn't know the answer to the test. Come on, somebody, right? Not because he needs you to tell him the answer because he doesn't know. That's not what we're talking about here. He's asking a question because what a question from Jesus does, it takes it beyond the surface. It goes beyond the surface level and gets to the heart of the actual issue. What happens is, in our story, Jesus is asking this man, would you want to get well? And so now he's engaging in a conversation that was meant to challenge the complacency of this man that ultimately will push him into the calling that God had for his life. So he asks this question because it's obvious to Jesus that this man right here had lost his desire and his hope to ever walk again. He, he asked the question because he knew that this guy had, had hey, listen, he had lost his, his heart and his desire to ever feel healed and whole again, to ever dream again. And all of a sudden when Jesus asked this question, here's this guy's response. You ready? He said, yo, I can't. Jesus, I can't. He replied, for I have no one. To put me into the pool when the water bubbles up, someone else always gets there ahead of me. So not only do we all have issues, I think we can relate with this guy that we all have excuses. That we all have excuses. Like, can you imagine for just a second as you're writing that down, think about this guy that gets put into the position that he's in. We don't know if he's 38 years old or he'd been lying there for 38 years. We don't know if it happened when he was 10 or when he was born. We just know that for 38 years, this man had been lying there. So can you imagine the first time he's ever dropped off at the pool? Can you imagine like he's there in this pool of Bethesda where, okay, the healing is going to take place. Can you imagine how excited he might be? Can you imagine for a second just, whoa, boy, I got a healing coming. I can feel it. Come on. Whoa, man, I'm expecting today. I'm showing up expecting something to happen, expecting Jesus to be in the house, expecting healing to show up. Ooh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my miracle today. And guess what? One year goes by, never happens. Maybe second year, you can imagine, okay, I, I'm still excited. I'm still hopeful. I'm still looking. I'm still, still pushing forward. I'm still excited about it. But can you imagine for just a second, 38 years? 38 years going by. 
Something you've prayed for that still hasn't happened. Something you're desiring that still hasn't happened. Can you imagine for a second just where this guy is? And I think this man honestly had probably stopped looking at the pool and began being okay living on the porch. With every excuse that he had, every oh, oh, why it couldn't happen or why I wouldn't be healed. And I just got to thinking, I wonder how many of you in this room have sidelined your life and given up hope, not believing God for your breakthrough that is coming. You don't believe him any longer. You feel like, man, it hasn't happened. This, remember that first time you came to church? Remember that first time when you accepted Jesus, that expectation that you had for those moments after? The prayer life that you had, boy, come on, come on. How I many you know when a, when a police officer behind you, your prayer life is real good? Come on, somebody, right? But do you remember what that was like when you would pray? You had the hope and faith that, man, God is going to come through in this. That he's gonna, it's going to happen. But, but it's been so long since you began praying for it that now it kind of hurts to even think about it. Like, like it hurts to believe that when you, when you started out so promising and yet it still hasn't take place, taken place, I think sometimes it becomes easier to relax on the porch and not fight to get back in the pool. I think sometimes we're just okay with our issues. That we're just saying, hey, I'm good with it. I'm just going to have to live with it. It is what it is. Anybody ever said that before? It is what it is. I mean, I'm never going to have a spouse. It is what it is. I mean, I, I'm never going to find healing. It is what it is. I'm never going to move past this situation. It is what it is. I'm never going to see that person come to Jesus and, and know Jesus and have a relationship with him. It is what it is. And almost you've gotten to a point where you've given up hope, where, where the issue has become greater than anything else that's around you. And I think so many times what I want to just draw your attention to in this moment is that guess what? This guy is so focused on getting in the pool that he, he doesn't even recognize that he's got the living water standing right in front of him. Right? He's so focused on getting in the pool that he's got Jesus, the living water, the one that can speak to anything and it happens. The one that can say a word in a moment it can change. And yet he's focused so much on his issue and the excuse that he has. And I just want to challenge us today. Listen to me. I think a lot of times what happens is, is our environment actually enables our excuses. Like it, it kind of props them up. So my question for you is, hey, what environments, what surroundings are you constantly around that are propping up your excuses of why Jesus can't do something in your life? I'm going to challenge you with that. I'm going to challenge you today that even in the middle of all of that that's going on, even in the middle of your issue, think about it. This guy, Pula Bethesda, thousands of people laying around, issues everywhere. Jesus makes his way stepping over, folks, to this one man. 38 years he's been laying there. Ask that man a question. Excuses start flowing. But I came to remind somebody today, and the team, if y'all come up here and help me end this sermon together, that would be awesome, is there is always hope. That even in your issue, that even in your excuse, that there is always hope. And if you go back to the original language of Greek that this was written in the New Testament, you'll find that as this guy is making these excuses, as he's saying all of these things, as he is rambling on and on and on, that's what the Bible tells us. If you go back to the original language, this guy's just saying, I, I can't do this. This is why I can't do this. This is why I can't. No, I mean, just all, he's rambling on and on and on. Jesus, you don't know my situation. You don't know how long I've been here. You don't know what's going on. You don't know the different things that are going on. Right in the middle of that, Jesus stops him with a command. And Jesus says, tells him in verse 8, he says this, shouts it actually, stand up. But come on, let's shout that together. Come on, can we do that on three? One, two, three. 
Stand, somebody shout it like you mean it, like you want somebody to stand up. Here we go. One, two, three. Stand up. Stand up. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Exactly. He's listening. He's listening. Yeah, I like that. Stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. Watch what the Bible says. Instantly the man was healed. Jesus just gave this guy a command of something that he physically could not do. But what I want you to understand, that in the middle of the issue, in the middle of the excuse, Jesus gives this command. And what I want to challenge you with is that one word from Jesus brought healing to this man. You think your only hope is getting back into the water, and you're given every excuse of why it can't be possible, but the living water is standing in front of you, giving you a command. That's why I love coming to church. That's why I love coming into a room with you. That's why the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And where the spirit of the Lord is, that there is freedom. So I like showing up in church. I like being here every week, singing songs about how good our God is, what Jesus has done for us, because I believe that he is still in the miracle working business. And I believe that one word, one moment, one touch, one command from Jesus, and healing can happen. Come on, all across this room, clap your hands and believe we believe that God is still in the miracle working business. Come on, don't just golf clap. Come on, do we believe he's still doing miracles? Do we still believe that he's still making a way where there seems to be no way? I believe it. I got faith for it. I just got to tell you that there is always hope. I mean, Jesus asked this man to take his mat and walk, and literally what he begins to do is carry the thing that he once laid on and relied on for security. But now he's carrying it, showing the goodness and the grace of what God has done. I love that so much. The next thing we're going to end on real quick, we're going to land this plane fast, is this. Always hope. And there's always hope. When Jesus is involved, there's always hope. It may not work out perfectly like you thought it was, but guess what? There is always hope in Jesus. There's always that. Even on this side of heaven, it may not work out like you and I thought it would. Maybe the healing doesn't come, but we're not, it's not because we're going to lack faith in that. It's not because we're going to lack prayer in that and seeking after God, but we're going to trust God. And we're going to be obedient. And this is what I know. Walking in obedience can be awkward. It can be awkward. I'm going to be honest. Can you imagine for a second? Jesus gives this command. He hasn't done this in 38 years. He stands up, grabs his mat, starts walking. How many of us know that's probably an awkward walk? You know? Kind of a little bit awkward, kind of a little shaky, maybe a little bit awkward. 38 years of laying in the same spot, but he's now standing. And yet you got a whole friend group down there. That whole group is trying to figure out, what are you doing up? What are you doing different? Bro, you just, you just don't look like, you, just, you ain't acting like you're the same. I'm not the same. You know why? I've had an encounter with Jesus. Man, you're not acting like you used to. I mean, we used to go and do this together. Like, what, bro, where are you? Why are you not acting that way? I'm different. I, I, I've had an interaction with Jesus. Man, you're acting like you're stuck up. No, 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 no. You're stuck. I'm up. Come on, somebody. And I just got to thinking, is there anybody grateful for the awkward? Because the awkward of walking in obedience means that I've had an encounter with the living water. And I'll never be the same. It gets a little bit awkward. There, there's a cost to walking in freedom. 
There's a cost to walking in obedience to God. There is a cost associated with it. Now you're having to ask the question, how do I fit in? What do I do now? Where do do I go now? Who, Who do I confide in now? And I just came to remind you today, listen to me. You got issues. We have excuses. There's always hope in Jesus. But listen to me. It's so stinking worth it to embrace the awkward. Embrace the awkward. That you are not who you used to be. That you don't do the same things that you used to do. And then the last thing we'll land the plane on is this. Is that there will always be naysayers. Right? There will always be people that question what Jesus is doing in your life. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. So what I want you to see is that when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, those are the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt honor your father and mother, keep the Sabbath, and keep it holy, honor the name of the Lord. You know, like, oh, don't steal, don't cheat, don't, no, none of that, okay? We get all of that. But what the religious leaders had done was they had added 600 plus rules on top of that that weren't directly from God. That they thought, well, oh, this would help people keep the word. But what they did was they made that, honestly, they propped that up. And what we see, this guy's carrying this mat. They had said, you know what? No, no, you can't keep the Sabbath if you're carrying something like that. And what I got to thinking about is that these Jewish leaders were not worried about the paralyzed man being healed. They were more concerned, not, not for how it happened. They were more concerned that he was breaking a law that they had put in place by carrying his mat on Sunday. And i got to challenge you today, just the last thing and we're done. I would rather live for the approval of God rather than the applause of men. Because here's what I know. If you are living for the applause of men, you'll die when they're no longer clapping. And i just got to challenge you today. There will always be naysayers, but there is always hope in Jesus. So I just believe that today. Come on, all across this room, would you stand to your feet? If we believe that, can we give God a big shout of praise in this place today? Come on, all across this room. Everybody across this room, would you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet. I want to speak to you for just a second. I think you've come in this place, and I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm actually going to ask our our prayer team, just different leaders that are in our church that have this gift of prayer and just, just carrying that burden with people. First service was just a great moment for us because, again, we all have issues. And I don't want to be a church that just comes in, just does church and walks out. I want to be a place that says, you know what? It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. And I'm going to invite you in just a second. I know it might be awkward. Walking in obedience can be awkward. But we have people on either side of this platform that if you need some prayer today, you got an issue you're walking with, it may be awkward for you to shimmy down your row. It may be awkward to say, hey, excuse me. But I, I just don't want you to walk out of here carrying an issue that you were never meant to carry. That because of what Jesus has done, there is always hope. No excuses. Nothing separating you right now. I'm going to ask you on the count of three. If you need some people to pray with you about something that you've been carrying, I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat and make your way down here. On the count of three, one, two, three. This altar is open as well. If you feel like you can come down here and lay down at the altar, lay, lay that issue down at the altar, awesome. Come on, heads bowed, eyes closed. Just move on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you, it might be awkward. It might feel awkward or uncomfortable. But listen to me, it's worth it. It's so worth it. Either side of the platform, we got people that love to pray with you. Come on, why don't, if you're out here, 
an auditorium today and you're still a praying and you, you don't have that issue that you're bringing here today, I'm going to ask a couple more of our directors to come up. If you're in this room right now, directors, and we got some more people that need some prayer. My thing is, if you're feeling this place and you're at your seat and you don't have an issue that you need to be praying, why don't you just begin right where you are to be praying for somebody that's down here. That we all have issues. It might not be your week. Next week might be your week. Wouldn't it be good to have a praying church that says, you know what, I am here. I am praying. I am I am needing you to do something, God. So come on, right where you're at, would you just begin to pray for the people that are down here? That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. today and you've never given your life to Jesus, here's what I'm going to tell you. I want you to know something that today we all have issues. Why do we have issues? You know why? Because we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world that God created everything and He created it perfectly and He, he created these two people known as Adam and Eve. The very first two people ever created. Guess what? He created them to have perfect communion with Him, to walk with Him every day and yet in the middle of that they chose something other than God. That they wanted to say, you know what, I want something, I want to be like God. So ultimately they chose to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be like God. I, I'll take this fruit, I'll eat it. And what happened was sin entered the world, thus causing the world to be broken. And the Bible says that, guess what, we've all sinned, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. That there's nobody in this place that's got it all together all the time from the very beginning. And yet I want you to know, that what Jesus did for you and I was that he came and he gave his life. He gave his life for you and for me. And the Bible says that he paid the price. That's why we sing about how good the blood of Jesus is. That he paid the price for what we couldn't pay. Lived a perfect life. Died a perfect death. Got out of the grave. Gave his life for you and me in my spot. And the Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. So maybe you're in here, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're listening on the podcast and you want to give your life to Jesus today. I'm going to lead you in just a simple prayer of repentance. The work has already been done. Jesus has already done it. It is a fact of you saying, Jesus, I acknowledge what you have done. So let's do that. If you need Jesus today, won't you say something like this? Dear Jesus, I acknowledge what you did on the cross was for me. I believe you gave your life for me. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you were buried and that you got out of the grave. And I put my faith and trust in you today. Be the Lord of my life today. Save me today. Thank you for salvation. Help me live for you for the rest of my life from this day forward. If that's you in this place and you just prayed that or you prayed something like it, I just want to tell you that the Bible says that for the one when one person comes to Jesus, that all of heaven parties. And I'm just going to tell you, Purpose Church, we a party church. You know why? Because we're going to celebrate when people are connected to Jesus and they start living on purpose. And so if that's you and you just got connected to Jesus today by saying yes to a relationship with him, I just want to tell you, Jesus saved you, not because of your works or your, your effort, but because of what he has done. And there is a party happening in heaven, and we want to celebrate with you in just a second. So if you're in this place and you just gave your life to Jesus, would you just raise your hand up over your head just now? If you said, hey, I just gave my life to Jesus in this place, you can raise it up over your head and you can drop it right back down. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else say, hey, that's me. 
That's me. Awesome. Anybody else? The Bible says that there is a party going on in heaven. And I think we ought to take five seconds right here, Purpose Church, and we should bring heaven down to earth and party because one person just crossed over from death to life. Come on. Can we celebrate that together today? Come on. Can we give them a big shout of praise in this place today? I love that. And I want to tell you, I saw one hand go up. We would love to have a conversation. Love to have a conversation with you and let you know, hey, let us know that you made a decision. We don't want you to be, again, it can feel awkward. It can feel uncomfortable. But you can say, hey, I just gave my life to Jesus today. So there's a couple ways that you can do that. The screen where you can actually scan the QR code. That's the same QR code that's right there in your seat pocket. But also, we're going to have people on either side of the platform at the end of the, the experience today. You can let us know that. Or somebody at the connect corner, stop anybody with the lanyard and say, yo, I just gave my life to Jesus today. And, man, we'll be so honored to be able to walk with you what's next for you. So we're so proud of you. Come on, one more time. Can we celebrate that today? Life change happening in this place. Come on. I love it.